My little children, I am writing these things to you so that you may not sin. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. He is the propitiation for our sins, and not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. Verse 3. And by this we know that we have come to know him. If we keep his commandments, whoever says, I know him, but does not keep his commandments, is a liar, the truth is not in him. But whoever keeps his word in him, truly the love of God is perfected. By this we may know that we are in him. Whoever says he abides in him ought to walk in the same way in which he walked. Beloved, I am writing to you a new commandment, but an old commandment that you had from the beginning. The old commandment is the word that you have heard. At the same time, it is the new commandment that I am writing to you, which is true in him and in you, because the darkness is passing away and the true light is already shining. Whoever says he is in the light hates his brother is still in darkness. Whoever loves his brother abides in the light. There is no cause for stumbling. But whoever hates his brother is in the darkness and walks in the darkness and does not know where he is going because the darkness has blinded his eyes. I am writing to you, little children, because these things are forgiven for his I am writing to you, fathers, because you have the words of the Lord. I am writing to you, young men, because you have overcome the evil. I write to you, children, because you know the Father. I write to you, fathers, because you know him who is from the beginning. I write to you, young men, because you are strong, and the word of the Lord abides in you, and you have overcome the evil. Here ends the word of the Lord. Test, test. Test, test. So I shared with you a very massive amount of message yesterday. But you need to train yourself to receive the word in faith. The reason why I preach so quickly is to not give you the opportunity to think. And so if you look at Hebrews 4, it says that if you do not receive the word in faith, that word has no benefit. And honestly, it's not just simply no benefit, but actually it's a loss. There are many aspects to this. But first of all, if you don't receive it in faith, it simply becomes information that gets stored up in your mind. And information cannot be life. The Word of God, as it says in John 6, that the Word of God is life. And the Word is life. So if you eat it, it needs to be life to you. It needs to be power to you. It needs to be authority. And it needs to be manifest in your life. If not, then there's something wrong. And so as God has been training me, He always said to me that if this word is not manifest in your life, then, then you should uh, struggle. You should, you should stumble. And so He never left this alone for me. And so if, if you're, it's not being manifest, you got to see why. Maybe it's a ma matter of faith. Maybe it's a matter of sin. Whatever it may be, God is going to reveal it. He's not going to just let it be. 
And this isn't just a special case for me, but angelo, this 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 fact to be a witness to 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 to, to proclaim, it, it requires this life. And so, pastors, this is your struggle, is it not? Ministry is actually easy, right? Healing ministry, praying, this kind of stuff is easy. These, this casting out demons, this is easy stuff. Because I don't have to do anything. Just simply move according to the Holy Spirit. The result is not in my hands. And so that's why I'm filled with confidence. But the most difficult thing is proclaiming the word. Because not the act of itself is difficult, but the fact that I have this responsibility for that word. And when you look at the prophets, it talks about this. That it uses the word masa in, in, in Hebrew. Masa means to be burdened. And so when you receive the word, you have this burden and you need to lay down that burden. How do you lay it down through your life? And so what is a pastor? In order to preach on Sunday, you need to receive the burden of the word and lay it down through your life. And then you can proclaim it on Sunday. Who are the saints? The saints receive that word and with that word, they are live it out throughout the week. But as pastors, you have responsibility to the word. And so that's why Paul says that I subjugate my body, make, bring it to submission. And so preaching is actually your greatest glory and the source of your greatest joy. And yet at the same time, it is also your greatest burden. And so this needs to be your struggle and yet at the same time your joy. Who are prophets then? Prophets are people who died because of this burden, right? Most of them were martyred because of this burden. What did they proclaim? They proclaimed Israel, if you live this way, you will die. And so when, they, when he called for repentance, if they repented, it would have been great, but they killed the prophets. And so you, as you pasture your sheep, if they do not live by the will of God, then that is your responsibility. If you look at 1 Timothy 3, there is no reward for pastors. Why? Because our reward are your church members, are the saints themselves. And so you need to pour out your life to each and every single church member. We are not pastoring a crowd. We are pastoring single individuals. We are pastoring each individual. And so as pastors, you need to lead your sheep from the front. Then the, past, then the sheep will follow after you. The pastor needs to lead from the front and experience first. And then the sheep will follow. It's not the pastor who chases from the back. Okay. The ones who chase the sheep from the back are the dogs, right? The sheep, sheep dogs. 
And so we call those shepherd dogs, not pastors. So let's turn to First John. And so I pray that you would embody the dynamic of the Trinity in your fellowship. So yesterday we learned what the Trinity means. That there's three, but one, they are one. And so they are three, they are all one God. But they have different positions. They have their characteristic. And so as we have fellowship with this Trinity, we are experiencing that Trinity in a dynamic. Why? Because God wants us to be like Him. Remember, Adam was not created for this world. If you look at Genesis 1.28, that God gave him the, the authority to rule over creation after all creation was established. And so Adam's original standard was king and priest. And of course, I'm not going to preach out of Genesis today. But the standard for Adam was kingship and priesthood. And, but he lost that through sin. But then Jesus Christ came to this earth. And if you look at Hebrews 6, the, this is how it describes Jesus' purpose. To bless you and bless you and bless you. This is using the words from Genesis 1.28. The blessing of, of the kingly of the, of the kingship that he is restoring that blessing to mankind, and so that's why Second Peter says that you are priestly kings. And so when you pastor your sheep, you are teaching them that dignity. Our joy comes from the fact that we are raising up kings. And so if you look at it from this perspective, look at how important you are. That you need to look at your church members as kings, as princes. They are not insignificant beings. And so after the Trinity, we talked about indwelling and imminent. I, I preached three years worth of sermons to you. And so the Holy Spirit dwells within me. And through that in itself, you have become an amazing new being. That you are the temple of God. That you have, have the new covenant. You are a new creation. And so now you have the separation between the new self and old self. And so the fact that the new self is inside of you means that you are a being that has never sinned. And that even when you do sin, it is no longer a problem. Why? Because the blood that cleanses that sin is inside of you. And so meaning that you have become righteous in your being. That you are not carrying the burden of your sins. I have five children, or six children. 
But I'm not going to uh, just live, live them on their own. At any time, I'm ready to forgive them, right? Whenever they make a mistake. And so in the same way, because you are the child of the righteous king, in your being you are righteous. And so when you repent, he, are, he forgives you. Why do you fail to repent? Because you are living in the old self. And what is evidence of that is that you feel guilt. You feel despair. And because you are failed to believe in your righteousness. That's why you are unable to repent. Remember, sin belongs to the old self. We are in the new self. And so the new self can repent. And so the new self receives that truth. And so are you going to live by the new self or the old self? The old self sins, the new self repents. And so let us believe in that new self and live and repent in the new self. And so whenever we repent, the power of that sin that has that has been holding me disappears. It, it wanes and wanes and wanes. And so the new self grows stronger and stronger and stronger the more you repent. And so as it says, as it says in 1 John, that uh, 1 John 1, that those who are born of sin uh, will not sin, or those who have been born of God will not sin. And so he has defeated death. Remember that the strongest weapon of the devil is death. But because that weapon has been taken away from him, we have nothing to fear any longer. And so the Lord said to us this, that you can trample upon serpents and vipers, and that all power has been given to you to proclaim and to cast out demons. Amen? And so as we prayed yesterday, we proclaimed Colossians 2.15, that you have the authority to disarm the devil. And so we have this victory parade. And so as we'll see in John 15, that the uh, evil one cannot touch us. Why? Because inside of you flows the blood of the king. And so what blood type are you? What type of blood are you? They said royal, royal blood. A, B, O, no, you are R, royal blood. And so when you cast out demons, you can avail multiple authorities. But when you say blood of Jesus, the devil is shivers in, in pain. Because when when holiness covers over filth, that filth is is, is tortured. And back in the time when I was ministering, I said fire and I saw his skin um, shriveling up in heat. And then in the same way, when you say blood of Jesus, you see uh, these pockets of the blood uh, filling up on, on, on their skin. And so, so he shivers. 
Whenever um, the sacrilege touches the sacred, uh, touches the sacred, it, it cannot, it cannot stand still. And you, because you believe in that power, have the authority to proclaim it. As it says in Ephesians one, uh, there are eight blessings God has given to the church, and the third of that eight blessing is what is the authority to forgive sins. And so you yourself are not forgiving those sins, but when you proclaim the power of that blood, that power of the blood brings the life of God. And so look clearly at who you are. Look at what amazing gifts God has given you. Amen? Okay, many, uh, the average man can't even use 5% of their brain. Most people use average about 2-3% of their brain power. But if you believe that the Holy Spirit inside of you is God, then how much percent of, of your, your function do you think the Holy Spirit will make you use? When you look at Acts of the Apostles, you see the deacon Philip. He is in the desert, right? And 30, and he's transferred 30 kilometers in a moment because he's so filled by the Holy Spirit. Actually, several years ago, I was in the mountains praying and I experienced this once. Uh, usually it takes two, two hours to walk down the mountain, but it took me 10 minutes. Oh, sorry, 17 minutes. And at that time, I was 100 kilo kilograms. I didn't roll down the hill, mountain. Do not be mistaken. I did not roll down the mountain. Okay. But I was filled with the fire. And I could feel myself flying down that mountain. And so if you do not limit the Holy Spirit inside of you, then when He works inside of you and when He takes control of you, we can transcend. We are not living by the limitations of this world. And remember, we are not built to work. But when we have that righteousness, God works. God works out that righteousness. And so you will just proclaim. You will just proclaim because He will show you the secrets. We are children of the King. So all we have to do is cry out to the King. Then He will send His ministers. Amen. Amen. So let's continue. And so we talked about this interchange of life. And so through indwelling and imminent presence, we're constantly having this interchange of life. And so in the presence of God the Father, He brings that life. And in the presence of the Son, we receive that life. And through the Holy Spirit, He gives us the strength. And inside of me, the Holy Spirit moves. And so moving the blood, the Spirit, and the Word, understanding that in our essence, we are the same. And so that's why we say Shreen, right? With Christ. And the Holy Spirit is inside of me and leads me in all of these things. And so I bless you that you would embody this amazing fellowship of the dynamic of the Trinity. And then so yesterday we saw the definition of what it means to have fellowship as we saw in verse 3, right? Because we looked at verses 1 through 3 yesterday. And so what is this fellowship? This fellowship is with the Father and with the Son and with us. And what is that? It's, it's the things that we have heard and we have seen that we proclaim and share those things with you. That is the definition of fellowship. 
So if we look at verse 1, so remember the word of life that we have seen, right? The word of life that we have heard. And so I talked about this word of life very briefly yesterday. And this life isn't just simply any life, but it is the eternal life, the Zoe life. And so as a children of God, when we receive the Holy Spirit, He makes He moves us into the order of that eternal life. And so let's say that this finger gets cut, it hurts, right? Why? Because this finger is connected to my entire being as a whole. And so the kingdom of heaven moves like this, it's one body. And so in his spiritual senses, he is extending it out to rule and have dominion over all creation. So we talked about this temple yesterday. And the focus of that temple is talking about dominion. And so when you say church to pastors, what you should first think of is the kingdom of God. And this is really important. Because the church of God is under God's dominion. It is not the pastor. It is God's dominion. That God alone should have dominion. And so in that dominion of God, we reign over all creation. The church, in essence, cannot be influenced by the world. If you look at John 11, it says that the prince of this age, or sorry, John 17, that the prince of this age has already been judged. And so if you are being influenced by this prince who is already judged, that is foolishness. We should be under God's dominion alone. And so this is the majesty you have as temples of God. This is the pride that we should have. How dare the devil try to influence me? How dare Babylon tries to affect me? It cannot be. And so if you believe in this, it doesn't matter whether you have the things of the world or not. If I have money or not, it's not a big problem. And so what, how this is possible, you'll see throughout this conference. This is the faith that we need to have. And so if you are having a problem with money, that is proof that you are not living with God. If you have a problem with people, that is proof you are not living with God. If God reigns over me, how can this affect me? That's true freedom. That is true freedom because He controls the universe. He reigns over the universe and He is over me. Then how can it be an issue? It is not an issue. If it is an issue, that is showing you of your falsehood. It means that I have the problem. God doesn't have the problem. I have the problem. That I am failing to be under His dominion. So this is the interchange of life, the relationship of life. And so as I talked about yesterday, you know, being in the assembly of, of the righteous gathering of heaven, the saints, the angels, and the ministers, right? It's all moving together. And so this life is continually approaching you, continually flowing to you. What is the uh, doctrine of salvation in the, according to the Gospel of John? Is that this eternal king, this eternal life is continually approaching me. So what am I to do? Open my heart and welcome him.
welcome him. This is salvation. Welcoming, welcoming in that life. It's not about my works, but just keep welcoming him as he continually approaches me in his life. And so just, and so when you look at the day, it's so beautiful, right? Two, and so two days ago, when I first arrived, uh, the forecast was continuous rain. And so I proclaimed, in the name of Jesus, may all those rain clouds flee. And it's gone so far that it's gone too hot. But this is the authority that the church has. Authority over personnel, authority over finances, authority over spirit and even nature itself. And so one time we went to a conference in Taiwan and there was a typhoon, a typhoon coming over and so the plane could not take off. But the only plane that took off out of Taiwan was our plane. And our plane alone was safe. And, and so I proclaimed, Typhoon, stop. And so our plane took off. This is who God is. This is our God. And so we live with this God. What could be a problem? There is no problem. Our life is our every day approaching us in His life, approaching us in His renewal. Hallelujah. What is there to fear? Yahweh God. Yahweh means what? I am who I am. I exist on my own. This verb, Hayah, is speaking of eternal presence, eternally present tense. And so we need to meet with him even now, even now, not the past, not the future, but now, in the present. The God I met with in the past is false. It is God who I'm meeting with now, right now. The God who I'm meeting now, that is what is important. He is Yahweh. And so let's continue. And so we gave the definition of fellowship. And so continually meeting him in this dynamic and cross towards God the Father. And at the same time believing that Jesus has poured out his essence upon me, making me the same as him. That his blood has made this in me. That as he is son of God, we are also the son of God. As he is the heir of the kingdom of heaven, we are also the heir of the kingdom of heaven. But at the same time, the Holy Spirit is inside of me and meta. So we are continually humble before him, knowing that without him, we are nothing. And so this dynamically is continually moving inside of you. This trinity moving inside of you constantly in this dynamic. Don't try to understand it with your mind. Just believe that the Holy Spirit dwells within you. Just and have fellowship with that Holy Spirit and continue meeting with him in the dynamic of this Trinity. It's the same, it's the same thing with your ministry. Whether it's uh, healing or casting out demons, whatever it may be, just letting this dynamic move inside of you. The Holy Spirit will give you faith and the Father will anoint you and the Son will pour out this love and give you the power of the blood. And so this trinity is continually moving in this dynamic. How amazing is that? How amazing is that? 
And so it's amazing that we have these three beings inside of us. But these three is Emmanuel to you. And at the same time, what else does he give you? He gives you the blood, the word, and the spirit to move inside of you. And so that's the reason why he can boldly proclaim and promise that I will make you to be like me. Amen. And so just respond, receive it in Amen. Whether you understand it or not, just receive it with Amen. Don't try to receive it with your mind. Just believe that this word will be embodied in me. Amen. Hallelujah. And so now let's continue. Second reason for the, uh, for the uh, that he wrote this letter is written in verse four. It's the result of fellowship that our joy may be complete. And so joy is very important. People who live by the kingdom of heaven, they are not, they are not uh, uh, affected by their circumstances, by their environment. They are not rejoicing because of their environment. They are not despairing because of their environment. Because joy is the essence of the kingdom of heaven. Like it says in Isaiah 65, that the kingdom of heaven was built on joy. And so the essence of the kingdom of heaven is joy. And then when you look at the, uh, the epistles in the New Testament, there is the church of Philippians. And Paul wrote this letter while he was imprisoned in Rome. And in that book, what does he say? He says, rejoice. Again, I say rejoice. Why? Because it doesn't matter what circumstances he is in. That the essence as, as a child of God is joy. It's not circumstances, it's not conditions, but my essence. If I live in God, I can rejoice. If I have fellowship with God, this joy will overflow in me. And so when you fail to joy or to rejoice, then when you are worried, it means that you are failing where? You are failing in faith. Because joy is a result of the promise of victory. And so whatever life we may be living, that victory is already given to us. Amen? Doesn't matter what the devil may do. Victory is already guaranteed. And so of course we will rejoice. Do you know who the devil likes to torture? It's the one who is always despairing, who is always in dismay. The person that the, uh, the devil loves the most is that no matter what he does, he always cries. Oh, and the one that the devil hates is the one who rejoices no matter the circumstances. And so you don't even need to cast out the devil in this case. Just rejoice. Just rejoice. And so many of you are wearing masks, so I don't know if you are smiling or not. And Africa is so easy to minister. Because their faces are so black that I can see when they're smiling or not. Because their faces are so black that I can see when they're smiling or not. 
And so if I see white teeth, they're all laughing. And so if I don't see white, I can see that brother and be like, hey, you should be laughing. Okay, that's why it's important to rejoice. Okay, because the ultimate victory is ours. Amen? And so, and so as it says in John 16, that I have overcome the world. So even if we are persecuted, we can rejoice. When you look at the Thessalonians, it says in, to the Thessalonians this, that you have rejoiced in the Spirit in the midst of persecution as you receive the Word of God. It, uh, Paul only ministered to the Thessalonians for three weeks. And in that three weeks, they had such great faith that the news of their faith spread all over the world. And in the midst of that persecution, they received the word in joy. They received the word as the word of God. And so in three weeks, grew, faith grew such, in such a way. And so the, they rejoiced in the Holy Spirit. And if you look at Galatians, what is the second fruit of the Spirit? It is joy. Right? We have this joy. And also this word anointing itself, uh, the root of the word anointing is joy. And so if we live by the Spirit, it's obvious that we should live in joy. There's no reason to despair. There's no reason to worry. Hallelujah. Several years ago, we were having a conference in Jerusalem. And the conference needed six million dollars. Or sorry, six hundred thousand dollars. And we did not receive a single dollar throughout the conference. Even though we invited ministers from all over the world, there was no money coming in. But whenever we got a little bit of money, God already made me use it right away. Rather, And so uh, giving flight tickets for various mis missionaries. And so we invited a family of eight, even though we had no money, and we had this $600,000 bill. And so what do you think I would do? Right, someone is saying that he would loan me 50000 I said, no. Even then, I don't want to. And then a week ended, that conference ended, all of a sudden money started flowing into our account. Started flowing in. And it filled that $600,000. But the important thing here, the important thing isn't the money. The important thing is, is in this process, I never worried. I was filled with joy because I was waiting for God to work. And if God works, there is no worry. And if you worry, then God is not there. If there is no joy, God is not working. We can rejoice. If we stand before Jesus Christ in His throne, we will rejoice. And so I bless you that you will rejoice day by day. That you will receive that joy. Receive the spirit of joy. Hallelujah. There are times where the spirit of joy overcomes us. And so you, you laugh so hard that you can't help but hold on to your stomach. And this kind of person, all of their hurts, all of their scars will be healed. So rejoicing is a high level of spirituality. 
that you can rejoice no matter the circumstances? So there's, we need to go a little bit deeper regarding this. But, but rejoicing isn't just simple rejoice for reasons. But my mindset is shaped towards joy. If you, if you look at Philippians 4.8, let's turn to Philippians 4.8. This is really important. But in this way, the sermon gets longer and longer, right? <laughs> but Philippians 4.8. And so as I said earlier, Philippians was a church filled with joy. They had great spirituality. So look at verse four, chapter 4, verse 8. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. And so it's because they have this mindset that can do this, that's why they rejoice. And so reversely, it's because you're constantly thinking of darkness. That's why you're unable to rejoice. And so we'll talk about light in, in 1 John. But we need to keep looking toward the light. That if you do, then you cannot fall into despair. Okay, uh, several years ago, a child in our church uh, got hit by a car and died. And with the money of the life insurance that we got, we actually had the conference in Argentina. You remember that, yes, Pastor? And at that time, we didn't, work, uh, we didn't have money to have that conference in Argentina. But all of a sudden, this accident happened. And, when he, and after his death, uh, the, the insurance claim came in. And God commanded the father to, 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 to give this money. And I, I could not take this money. I, I was saying, Father, how can I take this money? But God said to me that when in order to save a life, life is needed. This, this child was really little at the time. And, and, and so we went to go see his body, right? We went to make sure it was him and his, the father and I came in and then I proclaimed three times in the name of Jesus return the second time return the third time return but he never returned and then all of a sudden I, I was filled with the sadness this deep sadness but God said to me I have done this rejoice and then joy rose up inside of me and I looked to the father next to me at the same time he felt the same joy and so uh, we have a funeral for three days and it was a celebration and, and so this is what it means to live in faith that there is joy even in the midst of sadness and the joy that we had at the time okay, uh, we usually have these funeral homes in Korea and so there'll be several rooms with several funerals going on at the same time and so because we were rejoicing the other funeral people would come to us telling us to shut up 
Cállense un poquito, ¿no? But anyways, I, I want to point out how important it is to rejoice. And so I bless you that you will be filled with joy. So let's continue. Back to First John. We're continuing talking about fellowship. And so are you following me into, into this maze, finding treasure in each room? Are you taking each treasure? And so now verse 5 to 7 talks about the conditions for fellowship. Verse 5, this is the message we have heard from him and proclaimed to you. And so regarding this word of life, there is another aspect to that word of life apart from verse 1, which is light. That God is light and in him is no darkness at all. And this is something that John says a lot throughout his, his books. Love, life, light. These are all the same things in John's terminology. And so this true light is life. And so what John is trying to describe is that you need to be looking to this light. Cross to God. When you're standing in facing God, then the light that he shines is coming towards you. As it says in 2 Corinthians 4.4, 4, that this light is the light of the knowledge of God. And so the most important thing in your faith life is direction. It's because you're looking to the world that the world enters into your heart. It's because you look at darkness that darkness enters into your heart. We need to look to God who is our light. That's why it says pros. And so Apostle John is looking at that light. And remember, his circumstances isn't good. Remember, he was being, he's saying that no matter what darkness, I'm looking towards that light. And so uh, that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. And so this is Greek expression. He's saying that there is no darkness at all. And so if we keep receiving that light, if we have that direction towards God, then this essential light is shining inside of me. And so this life is inside of me, and this gospel is inside of me. And it continually radiates out through me. This glory continually radiates out. And there was a pastor in America. This pastor named Henry Groover. And he came to our church one time. And he shared this story, this testimony, where he went to a shaman. And that shaman, as he looked at him, he said, where did this light come from? Where did this beautiful light come from? This light is even inside of you. This light radiates from you. Amen? This isn't given to special people, but to all children of God. Amen? And so, uh, several years ago, I went to the Western Wall in Jerusalem. And honestly, I was receiving a lot of spiritual attacks at that time. And I was really angry. But I went to the Western Wall, and we were going underground. 
and we were looking at the Holy of Holies, where the Holy of Holies was, the direction. And so in that area was a room for women to pray. And wherever I went in Jerusalem, there was no light. But in that place, in that one place, I'm someone who knows the presence of the glory of God. And that presence just flooded over me. And my wife was next to me. She started breaking down in tears. And because the glory of that Holy of Holies was approaching me. Remember, I was angry at that time. And so I was scared. I was terrified. And so I ran away. I ran away because of the presence of God. And so understand that in you is the Holy of Holies. When it says that you are His temple, you are the Holy of Holies. God treats you as His Holy of Holies. 30 years ago when I met with the Lord, I was completely drunk on this world. But if I give you the details, it's going to take too long. But, but 1 Corinthians 3.17 is the word that broke me down. He says that your body is my temple. And with this word, I was broke down. I believe that he considers me his temple, that in me is the Holy of Holies. I received this word, and at that time, I used to pray to uh, smoke two cartons a day. But that moment I received that word, all the nicotine flew out my pores. In every single orifice, nicotine came out. And I was grateful that at least I did not urinate or, 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 or defecate. Gratefully, God did not allow me to urinate or defecate. But every other orifice, every other orifice, nicotine was flowing out of me. And at that moment, I immediately stopped smoking, stopped drinking. The moment I believed that the Holy Spirit is inside of me, all of these unclean things, I could not touch it. And so you are God's temple, amen? You need to believe this message in faith. And so in this way, we have fellowship with this light. Look at verse 6. If we say we have fellowship with Him, while we walk in darkness, we lie. And so this walking in darkness is talking about your being, not actions, but your being, your existence. And so you are saying you have fellowship with light, but you are dark? That does not make sense. What does it mean to be in darkness? It means the old self. The old self cannot have fellowship with God. That is a lie. And so to John, darkness, being in darkness means what? Is hating your brother. And so he's saying that you cannot hate your brother if you are a child of God. That means you cannot enjoy the world. That you will not despair in your circumstances. Because all of these things are darkness. If we are having fellowship with Him who is light, none of these things can interlope into our lives. 
And so, if you do not allow God's truth to be your absolute standard, you will never repent. You need to objectify the Word of God. Rejoice always. You may think, how can you rejoice always? But you can. If you do not rejoice, you repent when you receive this word and its absolute sense. It says, be grateful in all, way, all, all circumstances. When you are not grateful, you repent because you believe in that word. And so remember, angelu, what is angelu? It is declaration, proclamation. And so you need to proclaim to your church members, do not give any leeway for them to compromise with the word of God. So if you do not live by the word, you will die. God who is Elohim to us He is a God who clearly blesses and clearly curses And so you need to declare this to your church members Are you going to be standing on Mount Ebal or Mount Gerizim? This must be clear Do not compromise with the word of God the word of God is not some, and is not optional. It is not multiple choice. If so, if you allow this, then you are no longer angelo. You are not proclaiming. Proclaiming is not a duality. It is only one. The world lives out in this dual nature. It gives this duality, right? You can choice choose either A or B. But that's not the kingdom of heaven. The kingdom of heaven has only one way, one will, one purpose. And so God's kingdom moves by this solo uh, principle. This is the truth. And so, of course, living in the kingdom of heaven is easier, right? It's easier because there's only one option. There is no reason for conflict. All you have to do is know the will of God. It's not about what I should do, what I could do, what I should not do. There is no conflict. Just knowing the will of God. Just knowing the direction of God. That is the easiest way to live your life. I've lived in this world for a long time. Living in this world is not easy. And living with demons, more difficult. Don't get me started. Shamans, that's why they're always drunk. Because they live with devil, they're so stressed. I'm sure many witches in your countries are the same. They're filled with stress, so they're always drunk, right? Or always inebriated. Living with God is the easiest thing. Let's say you make a mistake a hundred times, He might punish you for one of those. He's always ready to receive you when you turn back to Him. That even if you make a mistake for a hundred times, when you do one thing correct, He praises you for that one thing. And so let's live with this God, right? Who else do you want to live with? Living with God is the easiest thing. Amen. So verse 6. Amen. <laughs> 
Okay, so uh, we lie and do not practice the truth. And so John is currently meeting with the dynamic of the Trinity. So he's cross meeting with God. That means that the word that has been given to him is moving inside of him. For example, let's say that this brother hated me. Then in the new self, I would not choose to hate him back. I would rather think, why is this brother hating me? Right, this is talking about the meekness of the Beatitudes. They are uh, delaying judgment. And so why? Why is he hating me? And the Holy Spirit speaks to me. The Holy Spirit works inside of me. That this brother is attacking, is, has been attacked. And so attack the devil that is attacking him. Or maybe he has emotional wounds. There are many reasons. There may be many reasons. But I receive this word of forgiveness that God forgives this brother. Then this truth moves inside of me. And through my intellect, emotion, and will, I fix these, these elements to God and to the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit takes control. I'm trying to describe the mechanism of having fellowship with God. And so the Holy Spirit cries out to God. And through the Holy Spirit, he receives the love from the Father that allows me to love this brother. And with this love, he fills me up and I love my brother, even though that brother hated me. And so every moment by moment, uh, if you are in the new self, that new self is continually having fellowship with God. And so this time right now is not long. We do not have much time, right? And so there may be many of you who have never experienced this before. But if you maintain the new self throughout the day, you'll understand the joy of meeting with God, of fellowship with God. Okay, in the Old Testament, there were special people who would meet with God. But in the New Testament, there is no need to be a special calling. No, right? Because there is no inner chamber of God any longer. Because Jesus Christ on the cross had already won the victory and opened that door to us. He tore down that veil that separated the inner chamber. But now, the throne of grace is open to us. As it says in Hebrews 4.16, that draw near to the throne of grace. Through the blood of Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit dwelling within me, we can officially draw near to the throne of grace. And so what does it mean to live in the new self? That I can continually cry out to the king before his throne. And so when I draw near to the throne of grace, what happens? That Jesus Christ, who is of the same essence as us, He, next to God, at the right hand of God, um, recommends me to God, the Father. As it says in Hebrews 7.25 and Romans 8.34, that He's continually advocating 
advocating my, on my behalf to the Father that I spill my blood for this brother. And so if we remain in that place, then we would be filled with the joy and the, and, and the, and the reverence. And in the presence of that glory, then of course you would feel this thing greater and greater the longer you stay there. But it's because you keep going back and forth between old self and new self, old self and new self. Even though you met with God 30 years ago, uh, you're unable to experience this joy. Uh, 30 years ago, when I met with God, I did not lose sight of this presence for even a moment. And so every moment by moment, I continually maintained the fullness of the Holy Spirit, and so it felt as if I was walking on top of clouds. And so that first year, that first year really uh, inspired me. And so right now, if you are in that new self, you are in that glory. That's the faith that we need to have. That when we are in the new self, that we have the right to call upon the name of the Lord in front of His throne. You have the privilege to call upon the King of all kings. Why? Because Jesus transformed your essence to be the same as His. Do you believe? Do you believe? Are you receiving that dignity? If you look at Psalms 49, Jesus Christ gave, gave you this dignity. And if you do not believe in that dignity, you are no better than an animal, as it says in Psalms 49. And so you have been invited into this glory. You have been invited into this dignity. And so when you receive that dignity, you can see, look upon your brothers in that same dignity. If you receive the identity of a beggar, all you see is beggars. If you are a pig, all you see is pigs. But it's because we receive this dignity that we can treat others with dignity. This is the essence of your faith. This existential faith. This, uh, this faith of God. Who is God and who am I? This is the most essential faith that you can have. And so when you receive this faith, if you lose this faith, everything else breaks down. And so look, in verse 6 already, we're seeing this dynamic fellowship with the Trinity. The truth is moving inside of me. And the truth is the essence of God. And it is the method of how He reigns over the universe. And it is the promise that we have. So let's move on to verse 7. Okay, I don't think we'll be able to go into chapter 2 today. Okay, honestly, I wish I could have a conference for two weeks with you. Okay, next time I come to Costa Rica, let's try to schedule two weeks. Okay, please, save your applause. Okay, uh, if you want to move me, pray, because pray that God would move me. Because if I'm to move, God needs to move me. And so if you want God to move me, you need to pray. So really, I am such an insignificant servant. 
And yet, thanks be to God that wherever I have gone, God has shown much transformation. When I went to Uganda, at that time, Uganda had like 27% rate of, of, of AIDS, of HIV. But I proclaimed to the servants that were gathered there that if you protect your holiness, then in a few years, this percent is going to go below 10%. And right now it's 7%. Or at that time when we last looked, it was 7%. And so look, Costa Rica, remember, all of this, you reigning Costa Rica, doesn't mean you go into politics. It's when you pray, God will reign over this nation. And I'm not trying to flatter you. This is the promise that God has given us in the Bible. And so how did God get, what promise did God give us? That if his word is inside me, that ask me whatever it is in my name and I will give to you. Whatever it is, whatever it is. That's the faith we need to have. And so this is why it's so important to have fellowship with God. That the word moves inside of me, that I would ask whatever it is in his name, and I pray. And so when you believe, you, should, you believe that you have already received. That when I pray, that it will be done according to his name. This is the glory that Jesus' name has. So let us believe, amen? Verse 7. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, and so because Jesus is in the light, he radiates that light to us. Him, him in his being is light. Right? When you look at Genesis, he creates the light. Did he create darkness? No, right? He did not create the darkness. Okay. He created light, and in that light, darkness was separated. But he never created darkness. He proclaimed lightness, light, and in that light, there is darkness separated. And so all we have to do as children of God is look to that light. If we reject that light, we are filled in darkness. This is important. You need to open your spiritual eyes to be facing towards God. That whatever you face, you need to first see the light. Yesterday, when I looked at the, this sister, I saw the light, and that's why I could see the darkness over her. And when I proclaimed that light, that darkness is separated. And so this is the essence of spiritual discernment. It's because you keep discerning darkness that you fall to that darkness. When you look at light, darkness is separated. Because you see glory, darkness is separated. And so your spiritual eyes need to continue to be facing towards light, not darkness. Okay, I looked at Sergio. Oh, Sergio is so powerful in immorality. No, that's not the way I should look at him, right? Wow, look at God's going to use him. God's going to enrich him. 
Oh, he has good anointing. When? But the problem is, is he likes women too much. That's how I should look at him. Because I see the light in him, I can see the darkness of liking women too much. And so we got to look at the light. Amen? Right, you, you have this problem, right? You like too much, women too much. Or maybe he's, he might have said that women likes him too much. <laughs> he's married. He's already married. <laughs> he's already married. Okay. He already has a second child on the way. But anyways, so verse 7. If we walk in the light as he is in the light. Because he is in the light, we walk in the light, right? And that's when we have fellowship, as it says. And so when you choose that light, then already you are living in the new self. New self automatically has fellowship with God. And so do not think that you live out your own life. As long as we choose God, God lives my life for me. As it says in Galatians, that I have been crucified on the cross with Jesus Christ. It is no longer I who lives, but Christ who lives in me. And so I do not fill the contents of my life. I never once desired to be a pastor. I never even wanted to pastor other pastors. I dreamed of vacationing over the world, but I never dreamed of having ministry over the world. And yet all I did was choose God. And because I kept receiving God, God filled the contents of my life. And this doesn't just apply to me. Galatians 2 says this clearly, that Christ lives my life for me. It is Christ who lives in me. And so, so I do not live in the love for myself, but I live in Him who gave His life for me. And so I live in that faith and His essence. This is the faith of the Son. You have the faith of the Father inside of you, right? You have God's faith. And so if you receive this without doubt, it will happen according to your faith. This is the faith of God. And so God who has created us, God who has, this is the faith, the faith of God. And then also at the secondly, what do we need is the faith of the Son where of Christ living in me. And so believe, that's all we need right now is faith. Amen? Faith. Amen. Faith. This faith. Faith of the Son. And so those who believe will enter into that Sabbath, as it says in Hebrews. And then also, 1 Timothy 1.5. This is, this is pure faith, sincere faith, pure faith, faith without doubt. That when the word God speaks, there is no doubt. And so I bless you in this conference that this faith will enter into you. This faith will enter into you. This faith that does not doubt. Amen, amen, amen. So let's continue. And so what happens? The blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. 
And so if we have fellowship with God, Jesus is inside me. And we come to know this blood of Jesus as we stream with Jesus. And this blood starts to move inside of me. And so when this fellowship itself is in you, the blood circulates inside of you, cleansing you from all unrighteousness, removing all the strength of the flesh. And so you need to feel the movement of the Holy Spirit. You need to feel the blood circulating inside of you. You need to feel the glory of the word. Feel that spirit moving inside of you. Why can you not feel it? Because you filled yourself with so many other things. If you fast 21 days, when you drink water, you can feel that water going through your throat down to your stomach. And so if you keep emptying yourself and you have that poor in heart, as it says in Mark 8:33, that as you deny yourself and empty yourself, you will feel the movement of the Holy Spirit. In your body, it takes 15 seconds for your pump, uh, heart to pump blood throughout your entire body. And through that one circulation, all the filth of your body is cleansed. It's the same thing spiritually. When you have fellowship with God, the blood circulates inside of you, cleansing you from all unrighteousness. This same principle, as it says in 1 Peter 2, or 2 Peter 2, that when we receive, when we obey the word of God, we are cleansed. No, 1 Peter, it's 1 Peter 2. Why? As it says in Hebrews 3, that the word of God is a sword, is a double-edged sword. And so it is living and active, cutting away all of our filth, all of our unrighteousness. Believe in this word. Believe that this is happening inside of you even now. When you receive this word in faith, amen? And so always the word of God fills us with joy and inspiration and thanksgiving to God. We're not trying to give thanks to God. No, just as we have fellowship with God, this presence fills me up. And so every moment by moment, of course, we would be inspired. Every moment by moment, of course, we would praise God. Every moment, of course, we would revere God and worship God and give thanks to God. This is evidence that you are having fellowship with God. And so look, the important thing here is if we are facing towards God, then this happens automatically inside of me. It's automatic. It's so easy. All I have to do is be facing towards God. Pros. Then in this dynamic of the Trinity, I enter into that dynamic and the Word, the blood, the Spirit moves inside of me. Automatically. Everything is automatically. When you look at Hebrews, there's great revelation unpacked. And the way this revelation is unpacked inside of you is that you fix your eyes upon Jesus Christ. Rely upon Him. That's all it is. 
It doesn't say fast 40 days. It doesn't say to pray 10 hours a day. Fix your eyes on Jesus Christ. Fix your eyes on Jesus Christ. As simple as that. Do you believe? Please believe. Living with God is so easy. When you feel darkness, it's because you're living in the flesh. It's because you try to serve God in your flesh. That's why it's so difficult. If you live in the Spirit, living with God is so easy. It's so simple. Why? Because He created you. And the way He created you, your system is, a, is moving according to Him. And so when He moves, when He circulates, when He touches you, and He leads you, then how easy is that? Hallelujah. As simple as that. As simple as that. Hallelujah. And so verse 8, 9, and 10 now describes how to maintain that fellowship and what cuts you off from that fellowship. And so first let's look at verse 9, the maintenance of that fellowship. So how can we maintain this fellowship? How can we continually fixing our eyes on Jesus Christ? That's what verse 9 describes. And so are you receiving these treasures in faith? Are you receiving these treasures in faith? Okay, later, we're going to put this all up online so that you can listen to it again or watch it again. And so I'll give you all the resources you need. Uh, just ask us. And so you do not need to jot notes down, okay? Just receive it in faith right now. Okay. This is the heart that God has for you. He wants to give you His mercy. To the beloved servants of God in Central America. I welcome you to all our conferences, wherever it may be in the world. As long as you can provide the plane ticket, uh, we will feed you, we will give you a place to stay. And so especially uh, a conference I would like to tell, share with you is the conference in, in, in October that we'll have in Korea. And we're gathering uh, people from all over the world. So we're going to have a conference for a week. And so we welcome you to uh, stay with us for a month. And so we're gathering the remnant all over the world. And, and this is fulfillment of the prophecy of Joel. And then, and then in September, we'll have a conference in Israel. And so September and, and October is really close, right? So if you had to choose one, I would prefer you to come to Korea. But you may uh, discuss this with Francisco, okay, with Pastor Francisco. But we're going to continue to have conferences throughout the year. I think we'll have a conference in Malaysia in December. 
But if you so desire, we welcome you at any time. Our doors are open. Uh, truly, it is a blessing to meet with you. Uh, God shared, uh, led me to say this. He told me, don't worry, none of them is going to come even if you welcome them. I do feel the need for you to visit our church because I want to show you that there is the church like the early churches in this day and age. Now, of course, our church is not perfect and we have many weaknesses, but in this season, God is leading our church in glory. And so I want you to invite you to our church so that you can see what God is doing. Uh, several of you have come to our church already. But as I said yesterday, please pray uh, for Spanish translation because we need people. It'd be great if you are good at English. There's one person, in, a pastor in Paraguay, who is working on this, but he's taking too much time. So we actually need someone who can uh, devote themselves by coming to our church, not, not having their own ministry and on the side, but coming to our church. But anyways, so let's hurry up and finish so that we can enjoy our lunch. Verse 9. If we confess our sins... Again, this is talking about the state of fellowship. Okay? If we confess our sins, it means we are in the new self-state. And this word confession in Greek is the word homologeo. Means the same speak. Homo means same, logeo means speak. And so... When I'm in the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit moves inside of me and shows me my evil. If you look at John 12:8, uh, that when the Holy uh, 16:8, sorry 16:8, that the Holy Spirit, uh, when He comes to me, convicts me of sin, of of righteousness, and of judgment. And so the Holy Spirit essentially keeps making you, convicts you of your sins, convicts you of what displeases God. And so that's what it means to convict you regarding sin. And so uh, also not just sin, but of righteousness. When you, He convicts you of righteousness, He's teaching you of your dignity, of your honor, that you can trample on the, on the, on the neck of the world. This is what the Holy Spirit does inside of you. And then if you expand this a little bit, if you look at John uh, 18, 16, that the Holy Spirit inside of you keeps testifying that you are an heir of God. Even if you are sinning, that you are an heir of God, that you are my heir, that you are my glory, that you are my righteousness. The Holy Spirit will never cause you to despair. 
The Holy Spirit will never lead you to darkness. Okay, darkness, you will realize it on your own as you look at glory. Amen? And so see, what should you be living by? You, of course you should live by faith. And so this word homologeo, this is already painting a picture of having fellowship with the Trinity God. And so repentance isn't, ah, this is sin and I repent myself. I do not have to do it on myself. The Holy Spirit speaks to me and so I just take that. I receive that. And that doesn't mean you have to hear his words directly. No, but if you live by the Holy Spirit, he fills you with this inspiration. He leads you. And as he leads you, you, you follow him. As it says in Romans 8, 26. That we do not know what we need to pray, but the Holy Spirit groans within me with utterance, two grateful words. And so you just need to live by the Holy Spirit and just face towards God. This is all you have to do. But it's because you're constantly facing the world. That's the problem. You keep trying to judge based on your experiences, based on your knowledge. And so look, we need to homologeo, confess our sins, then he is faithful. And because he is righteous, he forgives us of our sins. This is really important. And so, he, what does it mean that he is righteous? That he has uh, given his righteousness to us. And so, there's nothing that we can do that can make us righteous. Nothing. All we have to do is receive his righteousness. And so, what did he do to give us this righteousness? He put on the body of the man. The reason why he put on the body of a man is because as a man, he could deal with the sins of man. So he became man. This is a condition of salvation. And then another reason why he put on the body, the flesh, is to uh, curse death. As it says in Hebrews 2.14. The, the, this is the requirement for this perfect victory the total victory and so the fact that he became man is a very important truth Hebrews 5 7 says that he is the model the model for our life and in John he says that those who believe will do greater things than I have so he is the model of salvation and so we can live as he did why? Because he was man just as you and me. Hebrews, or Philippians 2 says what? That, that he, he, he humbled himself to be a servant. That he did not consider equality with God something to be grasped. But he relied fully upon the Holy Spirit, living in that purity. And so if man also lives that way, they can live just as Jesus did. Emptying themselves, living by the Holy Spirit, then they can live just as Jesus did. And there are three amazing things that he did as he lived as man. A great victory, and he was the role of our life, and, um, and, and the event of the cross. And so our goal is not to become like Adam. Our goal is not to be like Paul. Now Paul, of course, is a great man. But we need to see at who made him great, God. Amen? And so our goal is God and God alone. 
God is our everything. And so the fact that he put on the body is giving us great righteousness. And so because he came in the flesh, he can receive our sins. God cannot receive our sins. Because he is holy, he cannot receive our sins. And so when we meet with Jesus, we need to first meet with Jesus as man. And he himself says, he calls himself what? The son of man. And this is great joy, isn't it? And so as representative of all mankind, he took the sins of the world upon himself. Right, as, as the priest would impart the sins of the nation on the land, in the same way, he took the sins of the world upon himself when he was baptized. And on the cross, he spilled his blood. And that blood cleansed you and made you righteous. And he has confirmed that holiness to Israel and to the church. And this is what it means, righteousness, righteousness, that he is faithful, that there is not a single drop of sin, because sin can have nothing to do with righteousness. If there is sin, you cannot meet with God. This, in Old Testament, you would die immediately on the spot. And so the fact that you are righteous, this is tremendous truth. It's because of this righteousness that you can draw near to the throne of grace. Because the moment the blood of Christ covers over you, all God can see in you is righteousness. As it says in Romans 8.16, that the moment that blood covers over you, He acknowledges that you have no sin. And so are you receiving this? Okay, well, no. What color is it? God says that this is black. Then what is this? This is black. It doesn't matter what your experience says. If God says this is black, then this is black. What color is this? No, I just told you it's black. What color is this? No, I'm joking. It's white. <laughs> of course it's white. Okay. Oh, sorry. And so, Jesus Christ came in the flesh, but never sinned. He has this pure blood. And so he died on the cross. And he set free those who were bound in, in death, in, in show. And then he came up to heaven. And so remember in John, uh, Mary holds on to Jesus and after his resurrection. What does he say? He says, do not touch me for I have yet to go to the Father. And so it's because he has yet to, it's not talking about his ascension, but it's talking about he has yet to go to the heavenly tabernacle to, to pour out, to sprinkle that pure blood. And when he sprinkles that pure blood, what happened? It erased all your records of sin in that heavenly tabernacle. This is all uh, testified to in the book of Hebrews. And so why was he able to do this? Because if you look at the Leviticus 16, when uh, Israel sinned, they dealt with that sin through the Day of Atonement. And remember, that blood was mixed with sin. And so it would pollute the temple. 
that means that that sin is recorded. And then, when, that, when was that sin cleansed? On the Day of Atonement. And so then, they would need the blood of the Lamb, and they would impart the sins of the nation to, to one of the lambs. The sins of the nation. But when they want to enter into the Holy of Holies, what blood would be needed? the blood that was pure, that did not receive the impartations of the sin. And so when they sprinkle the blood that had the record of sin, they would sprinkle it to the west. But when they enter into the Holy of Holies, they would sprinkle the blood toward the east. And as the incense rises up, the smoke of the incense would rise up, they would not see anything and the blood would be sprinkled towards the east. And then the smoke would split, and the high priest would enter into the Holy of Holies. And when he enters into the Holy of Holies, or when Jesus Christ died, in the same way, the curtain over the Holy of Holies could not be ripped, but this curtain was torn asunder, meaning that you have the right to enter into the Holy of Holies now. And so the blood that is needed to enter to the Holy of Holies is what? Is the pure blood, the blood that did not receive the sin. And so again, Jesus has both bloods in him. The blood that received the sins of the world, that was spilled on the cross. And then the blood that has no record of sin, the clean blood, that blood was sprinkled in the Holy of Holies to wipe away all records of sin. And so all the sins that have been stored up until that point uh, throughout history has been cleansed. All sins have been cleansed. And so what happened in the Holy of Holies, the people in the outside could not see. And so what the, whole, what the high priest would say is that God has forgiven you of your sins. And so the high priest would proclaim this to the people. And, and to witness this, what would he say? He would t send out the scapegoat. And the scapegoat would, would do what? Would, would walk out into the wilderness of his own accord and walk away from the community, from the camp. If that scapegoat returns, then that means God did not receive their sacrifice. But as that goat disappears into the wilderness, uh, Israel celebrates. Celebrates saying that our sins have been taken from us. And so look at verse 1 or chapter verse 9. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins. He doesn't just forgive us, but what? But to, uh, it's not just, but to cleanse us from all righteousness, right? Separating us, meaning that that, that that scapegoat has gone into the wilderness, testifying that our sins have been taken from us, that all of our sins have been erased, and that I will remember your sins no more. It's not just simply forgiven, but he does not remember our sins any longer. And so if you do not believe in this word, 
The devil is constantly going to accuse you. And you're always going to feel guilty that, hey, on that day you sinned this. Then what should you say to the devil? Oh, you're right. I'm so sorry. Oh, yeah, I made that sin that one time. Then you would, then you're falling to the, to the trap. What you should say is, I don't know what you're talking about. The, God doesn't know what, well, God doesn't remember, so who the hell are you to say this to me? That's the faith that you need to have. Accusation and guilt is the weapon of the devil. And so do not be deceived to the devil. Because all of this thing he is saying is just, right? He is just to forgive us. This is justice, God's justice, that Jesus Christ came to this earth and on this earth he gave us this great gift. And so if you meet with Jesus, of course your life will be transformed. Your being is being revolutionized. That's why I call this revolution of your being. I have become revolutionized, this Sergio has been revolutionized, and he will never look to other women, but only, only his wife. Because he is revolutionized. And so let's continue. And so, and cleanses us from all unrighteousness. And so when we sin, what happens is this, is that we rebel against the Word of God. That's why we call this unrighteousness. And we are now divorced from that unrighteousness. And at the same time, whenever we sin, we are choosing the unrighteousness that is separate from God. And so we call this unrighteousness. Here lies the issue. When we repent, that sin is erased from us, right? Let's say I lied and I repented. Then that sin of lies has, has disappeared. It has been erased from my entire conscience. Then when you resurrect, you will be resurrected clean. You will not have even a remembrance of that sin. And so that's the glory of resurrection that we are hoping for. Amen? Amen? But the problem is that when we sin, the old self, which has the essence of the sarks, the flesh inside of me, Right, many times Sarks is, is, is translated as the root of sin, but, but I don't like that word, and so that's why I usually just say Sarks. The essence of the old self is Sarks. Sarks is the Greek word for flesh. And so when Jesus Christ came in the body, what did he come in? He came in that Sarks, the flesh. And so Sarks in itself is not sin. But the essence of the Sarks can't help but choose to sin. 
And so if Jesus Christ didn't do anything and allowed the sarks to move, he would sin. And so if you do not live by the Holy Spirit, if you do not rely upon the righteousness of God, then you cannot help but to sin. And so do not tolerate compromise with the sarks. But so this sin, this sarks, this sarks, when you sin, is strengthened. And so we'll talk about this uh, desires of the flesh in chapter 2. And so this sarks, this desires of the flesh grows. It is strengthened when you sin. And so this is the strength of unrighteousness. And so if you do not choose righteousness, if you do not live by the Holy Spirit, then your life gets bound by the strength of the flesh. You start, your life starts to go down the direction that God doesn't want for you. I need to talk, preach on this regarding human physiology. But your fleshly strength continually gets stored up inside of you. But the amazing thing is that when we truly repent before God, even the strength gets taken away. And so you have been divorced from sin. You have been divorced from the strength of the sarks. And so of course, should we not repent? Of course we should repent, amen? And so the essence of the kingdom of God is repentance. When Jesus Christ came to this earth, what did he declare? What did he proclaim? He said the kingdom of heaven is near. Repent. This is the essence of the kingdom of heaven. And so if you didn't repent, this is dangerous. Repentance is the most important thing. Repentance, lack of repentance is evidence that you are not living by the Spirit. When you repent, everything that Jesus Christ has done, His righteousness is given to you to make you holy. And so you have been divorced from all the records of sin. And so you have been free. You are legally free now. And now, and even the memory of that has been erased. And then going beyond that, the strength of the desires of that flesh, even that is disappeared. And so believing faith in Jesus Christ is powerful. Belief in Jesus Christ is effective and powerful. Blood of Jesus, blood of Jesus, amen? And so almost finished, only two verses left. This is the uh, cancellation of fellowship. So remember, when you live in the kingdom of heaven, there is no aspect of time. There is no aspect of time. One day may seem like a thousand years. A thousand years may seem like a day. This is eternal life, amen? And so we stop when we feel a little bit of hunger. <laughs> amen? Okay, so let's look at the cancellation of that fellowship. Verse 8. If we say we have no sin, and so who would say that they don't have sin? This is the old self, right? The old self, the new self would never say this. And so this is the state of the old self. And so it says that they we deceive ourselves. And again, what does it mean that we deceive ourselves? If the Holy Spirit dwells inside of me, 
then what, the, what, what happened is that the new self comes inside of me, separate from the old self. And so what's up to me is, am I going to live by the new self or the old self? And so if I choose the new self, I'm going to live in that new self. Or no, if I choose myself, I live in the old self. If I choose God, I'm living in the new self. But if I'm in the old self, I, I start to think that I have no sin. And so that's why I cannot, I deceive myself and I cannot repent. If the kingdom of the heaven of God does not, if the kingdom of God does not move inside of me, then I cannot recognize that sin. And you need to understand that this is what's going on inside of you every day. And so we live by the joy of the righteousness of God in that confidence. We do not live by our self-righteousness. Right? Oh, that I am morally good, that I am ethically clean, that I am a good man? No, that's not the confidence of our, uh, or that we should live by. This has nothing to do with Christianity. We live in the confidence of the righteousness of God that God has given us, okay? So focus, focus, okay? Listen carefully here. This is somewhere that you need to follow closely. Okay, if you get lost, I cannot be responsible for where you get lost. Okay, and so if you live in the old self, you deceive yourself. Spiritually means you are deceived. We are always being deceived if we live in the old self. And when you are deceived, you are confused. What is confused? Confusion means that it is cloudy, that you cannot see in front of you. And so this is what happens to the old self. And then so what else happens? Uh, and the truth is not in us. And of course that means that the word is not going to move inside of you. This is so obvious. If you live in the old self, that means that you cannot have fellowship with God. Verse 10. If we say we have not sinned, and so it sounds like the same thing, right? That, that we, if we say we have no sin or if we say we have not sinned. This is talking about your motivation, that I've never wanted to sin. But, but who is saying this? It's the old self. If you live by the old self, whether you hear it, you say this or not, this is the state that you are living in. And what this state yearns for is to prove themselves ethically, to prove themselves morally, to be self-righteous, to be good in themselves. And so they keep trying to make their life. This is the old self. But this is not the condition that will bring you to the presence of God. And so, the question to man is meeting with God. If God has created man to live meeting with him, and so if we do not meet with him, we cannot live. And so if we want to meet with him, we need his righteousness. We need to maintain his righteousness. What does that mean? That means we need to stay in the new self. If we're in the new self, whether I want it or not, I will always be before the throne of grace because I'm in the new self. At all times, I'm able to receive from Him because I'm in the new self and having fellowship with Him. Okay, so when I was in Korea, sometimes this would happen. I'm praying and I would think, oh, I want to eat something. I, I, I crave this. 
oh, I want sushi. Then for some strange reason, someone treats me to sushi on that day. It's not because my thoughts, but my thoughts are going up to God. This is possible because I have fellowship with God. And so earlier it says in, in verse 8, it said we deceive ourselves. But now in verse 10, what does it say? We make him a liar. For our righteousness, he sent his only son. But we are denying that. That means that's, that's what it means to call him a liar. That I have not sinned. I don't need his sacrifice. That what, does this, what is this? I'm a good man. I don't need God's righteousness. That I am righteous in myself. This kind of person will not seek God. That's the scary thing. And we make him a liar and his word is not in us. And so that means that the word doesn't move inside of me. That means that I am no longer having fellowship with God. So let us pray, brothers. Let us pray. Chapter 2 I will do tonight. And then so at 4 o'clock we'll have ministry time, healing time. And so everyone doesn't have to show up. But if you need ministry, please come. But especially since uh, we have this language barrier, uh, if you can speak English, it, we would appreciate your help. And so uh, I don't think much healing will happen throughout this conference because I pray that you would be healed through the Word of God. That through the Word of God, you would be set free. It's only 12.15? I thought it was 1. Then let's go a little bit deeper. Hallelujah. I thought it was 1.15, not 12.15. No, but let's pray, let's pray. Okay, let us digest the word that we have received today. Okay, sorry, I, I saw time in the wrong way. Okay, so let us pray. Okay, and so today, there's, uh, this is a really important message that you are receiving. That to people who meet with God, they will have no problems. Truly. So do not be deceived. It's because of money. Oh, because of this person. Because of the world. This is all deception. God is almighty, all omniscient. And He is in me. Then these things cannot be a problem. This is the principle of things. And so throughout my life, none of these things have been an issue in my life. Because I'm meeting with God. They cannot be an issue. And God doesn't allow me to worry about these things. So please, have faith. And so all the things, the amazing things that God has done for you. This amazing dignity. Receive it today. Receive it. That I can draw near to the throne of grace. 
And so, Lord, all these amazing things you have done for me, Lord, I praise your name. I thank you for this great grace. And Lord, today, may we all receive and reclaim this dignity that we will not be deceived by the devil, that we will not be deceived by the world, that this glory would be completely restored upon us, that your blood would renew us. Let us pray with loud voices. Cry out. It is important to cry out at this time. Break through your flesh. Your prayer needs to cry out and enter back into your ears. And so, Lord, answer us. Receive our prayer. Okay, I want to lay my hands upon you. So I'm going to come by you as you sit down on your chairs. So please be seated. Please be seated and receive the impartation of the Holy Spirit. And so let us pray once again all together. Okay, is there anyone who's bleeding in their heart? And so it's hard for them to jump because there's a, there's a hole in their heart that causes uh, their heart to bleed. So it's hard for them to be very active. Is there anyone? Run around, run around in a circle.
Salta, salta. Let's pray all together. Almighty God, the power and authority belongs to you. Father, pour out your spirit upon us. Fire, fire. Lord, we praise you and continue to work out in your might throughout this conference and that may all your servants be revolutionized today and your church be renewed. Oh, Lord, we praise your name. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Let's give all the glory to God. Give all the glory to God. Enjoy your lunch and I will see you later tonight.